I have PenFed, that's a fact. I have PenFed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. And welcome to the Fatback Four. Um, there's no football this week. The international stuff doesn't count. It's not real football. And um, we've decided that during the week. So what we're going to do is this show is all about Jurgen Klopp. Um, Jurgen Klopp is three years in charge of Liverpool Football Club as of last Tuesday, I think it was. Um, so with me this evening, um, I have Matt, Marty, I have Grizz and I have Ian. And we're going to go through, I suppose we're going to go through Jurgen Klopp the three years from day one and probably a few days before that, right up until now and the outlook we have for Liverpool Football Club under his tenure. Um, let's get into it. Um, on the 8th of October 2015, Liverpool agree a deal for Jurgen Klopp to become their new manager. It's a bit of a surprise um, as Jurgen Klopp had just finished up with Dortmund a couple of months previous and he was on a break apparently. Um, Liverpool managed to turn the screw, get it, get it get the job done and get him in as a Liverpool manager. This comes on the back of Brendan Rodgers, um, you know, a near title, a near title win in 13-14, an in, you know, an indifferent kind of spell, 14-15. Uh, and then a start, I suppose, to the season where, you know, he's, I think after eight games, he has 12 points. His last game in charge is a one-all draw at Everton, um, Goodison Park. Um, lads, the 8th of October uh, 2015, as I've said before, a significant day probably in the history of Liverpool Football Club. Ian, I'll come to you. With Rogers looking on the way out and, um, you know, the day before the Everton game, the rumour goes around that he will be sacked and that Jurgen Klopp is the man Liverpool want. Had you got mixed feelings with Klopp having to leave, or not Klopp having to leave, with, 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 it looks like Rogers leaving the club, but, but Klopp being the man coming in. Did you feel a little bit sorry for... Brendan Rodgers or were you just it was a pure excitement look at this manager we've just got no I didn't feel sorry for him he fucked up uh, he, was, he was good for a while but then I think we start listen when, some, when someone's riding on the crest, crest of a wave everything they say seems like you know very very like intelligent and real good foresight and all that when you start when this he started to tilt a bit towards like not performing to, to the highest level. He started to sound a little bit trite when he come out with stuff, and he started to come out with stuff that just it was just bullshit basically. Like we were after players that we knew we were after, and we wouldn't get them, and he'd say we're not after them and all that. But, but uh, he should have went after we lost against Stoke six one. End of. 
that should have been it, gone. But enough about him. Anyone who, who knows me previous to even like before this podcast or anything like that will know that Jürgen Klopp's like been one of my favourite coaches for a few years. Massive, massive fan. If I could have picked anyone, I would have chosen him. Uh, when the rumours started going around that we were linked with him, I couldn't believe it, to be honest. I was so overjoyed. I think he was on he was on Aldi for four months, right? And it was supposed to be a year. But I think certain things just fit. And his persona, his, his passion, all, all of the things, his, his ethics, all that, they all, they all align themselves with our club. He's a perfect manager. And I don't think, and we will get onto it later on, but I don't think there's too many clubs in world football that wouldn't swap their manager for someone else. But I think Liverpool are one of those clubs. Maybe City, possibly even Atletico Madrid. And then I think you're struggling then to find someone who won't swap after that. So we're in a very, very envious position. Yeah. How can you not love him? How can you not love the man? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Grizz, Ian said there that, you know, it's... I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing him when I say it, it's a rootless game and Rogers' time has run out but for us you know I've I seen fans of, of opposition clubs because I remember I remember it well when, when this was rumoured that Jurgen Klopp was going to be the next Liverpool manager I remember other clubs posting on, on social media certain platforms and saying do they honestly think they're getting Jurgen Klopp as the manager and you know all these laughing crying emojis um, but this you know, I hate to use the, the term statement of intent, Grizz, but this was a massive, massive move from Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, um, I just want to comment on your beard first, Gav. It looks really nice. Keep it. Yeah, man, I will. I will. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. I'm just a lazy cunt. Come on. Why you look nice? Keep it. Um, yeah, I remember um, when um, Rogers was sacked and then the rumours at the time I remember were it was either Ancelotti or Klopp, I remember. It was like, you know, they were saying, oh, is it going to be Ancelotti? Is it going to be Klopp? And I remember at the time, not sure. I'm going to admit, I wasn't totally convinced that I wanted Klopp over Ancelotti. You know, Ancelotti being one of the, you know, the world's greatest managers, or well, presently, and of part, you know, of his past credentials as well. So, you know, I remember at the time thinking, I, I remember I was thinking that if fans, you know, f- other clubs fans saying that we're, you know, we deluded thinking we're going to get Klopp. Well, if we weren't going to get Klopp, we probably would have ended up with um, Ancelotti. I think the other name was that stupid knob, wasn't it? Martinez from, uh, was he at Swansea at the time? Was he at Swansea at the time, lads? I think he was, wasn't he? No. Martinez, was that- I don't think we were linked with him after we got Rodgers. He was linked when, before we got Rodgers, wasn't he? Yeah. I, yeah. I beg your pardon, yeah. So, I mean, either way... Every- Dave Shumps was linked a bit as well. I remember him. So, either yeah. So, my point being, either way, we were linked with big names. So, it was always going to be one of the most crucial decisions of FSG's tenure. And it's, I think it's safe to say, and I think we're absolutely over the moon to say they made the best decision possible because as Ian says um, where we were as a club in terms of stature in terms of uh, on the pitch off the pitch I think he just sort of um, I I just think he fitted everything what she needed at that stage of their ownership as well so I thought it was a brilliant brilliant decision by FSG at the time 
Yeah, it's for me, it's a thing where, you know, a lot of people are thrown around, oh, FSG went for the cheap option with Rodgers. You know, if you look at the Daglish tenure where they bring him in, they, they look at it and they spend, they spend a decent amount of money with Daglish and, and they get rid of him. It was a real, Marty, it was a real kind of, it, it was the next step, it was the, it was the next level sort of move from, from the owners, wasn't it? Yeah, I think this is, you know, they had, they went... FSG took the club over. Obviously, they had a moneyball policy. They wanted to go with a young manager. They wanted to try and do it, you know, the fresh, you know, a fresh way, a fresh approach, you know, kind of build low output, you know, uh, sorry, low input, high output kind of thing with transfers, managers, etc. I think, you know, the, the penny finally dropped for the club. Um, you know, if they wanted to, to compete at the highest level, they're going to have to, you know, get the best this about. And, I think then now, you know, Jurgen Klopp is one of the best managers in the world. I think he's enhanced his profile as much as he's helped us since he's come in. Um, I, I think, you know, I think the boys have summed it up beautifully. Um, you know, they, they, the two front runners were obviously Ancelotti and, and Klopp. And I think certain managers need certain climates to, to thrive under. And I think if you look at Ancelotti, and I not, don't want to call Ancelotti a checkbook manager because he's much more than that. But the rumours were that Ancelotti wanted to completely strip the team down straight away and it would have been huge investment from day one, whereas Klopp was happy to kind of, you know, look at the team, see who he could keep, see if there's anything he can improve. And I think, you know, looking at Liverpool, the way they operate and the way that, that Klopp operates, that, as Ian and, and Grid said, you know, it's just, it's a perfect match. I think anyone that knew Klopp before here uh, at Dortmund could see it. And I, I think it was, it's the best sign in Liverpool Football Club have made in a long, long time. Yeah, it it is, it, and if you count it as a signing, it's it's a massive move. Um, just the the Ancelotti thing is interesting because you know he wants to strip the team back down. You know, Ancelotti. I don't know if he's known for that, but he he would have a certain way of playing. He probably looked at that squad and thought, no, I want certain type of players. He wasn't willing to take the time to work with them, and we probably hadn't got the time. You know, um, we'd gone through Rodgers and thirteen, fourteen. We we'd lost Suarez. We we'd got a significant amount of money at the time. In and we we spent badly. Let's be perfectly honest about it. So we needed to we needed to make a move on this. I mean, with Klopp, and but we also needed to bring someone in that could work with the squad that was there, improve them, improve what was there, and and over time, I suppose, and we go on to talk about this later. Over time, develop that squad. But look, I'll move. Ian, I'll come on to the first game on the Klopp, and I remember where I was. I was sitting in the pub watching it. Um, on my own because I went down to watch this I wanted to give it me full attention and I wanted to see is there any change you know I think he I think he's appointed on the 8th I don't think he plays till about the 22nd I think it is um, or maybe it's 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 a, it's a week or so later because it's, it's during an international break I think but in the team that day right is Mignolet, Klein, Sacco, Moreno Skertl, Milner Coutinho, Lalana, Lucas uh, Jean and Origi um, and I'll tell you what I noticed Dean first off the bat for the week going into the into this game, it was about Olalana. You know, we won't be able to keep up with this he, he, this heavy metal football that was bandied around for a week. And Lalana ran the legs off himself and came off after about I think I'm guessing here about seventy five ish. And you could see straight away Klopp had a way of playing. He had a way he wanted his players to react to him, and he got it from the outset, didn't he? Because he pressed the life out of Spurs in a nil all draw that day. Yeah, I think out of it, out of every player we had, I think Lalana bought into what Klopp was after right away. I mean, he was the first, he was the first one to do it. We spoke about it in the past how he he was the trigger for the press and people that follow his lead and stuff like that. 
So we got into it, and I remember him coming off and, and clock hugging him, and he looked like he was about to go unconscious. He was that, he was that tired. But uh, it, like Klopp said, like he didn't try and change too much in the first couple of weeks because you, you just can't in, in a couple of weeks. Do you know what I mean? It, even more, so, there's still some all right players in that starting eleven. There's some dross, but there's still some all right players. I think where it really shows that how much we've improved, if you go and have a look at the bench, the bench was horrific. Really poor bench. It had like uh, Jordan Sinclair was on it as well, I think. Yeah, just... I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the bench, Ian. Uh, Bogdan, Colo Torre, uh, Randall, um, Alan, Oyeb, Teixeira and Jerome Sinclair. Yeah, it's, a, it's shocking, isn't it? Shocking. Most of them don't play top flight football anymore. That's how bad that bench was. But, uh, in, in a short space, was it Spurs 0-0? Was that the game? Yeah. Spurs 0-0 yeah. was the game, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not an easy fixture. Pochettino's got them well drilled and stuff, and I think he just wanted to keep it tight. If you did offer them 0-0 before the game, I think he'd have bit your hand off for it. But you didn't really see too much change. You could see little bits of, like we say, Lallana running his ass off and stuff like that, but it's very hard to get a grasp of a manager like, in just two weeks, do you know what I mean? But, like I say, it was more apparent which players bought into it immediately, do you know what I mean? And then there was other players that were never gone. And, like, like the likes of, like, Lucas, he couldn't he couldn't play Klopp's start. He hung around longer because he was useful as a utility player and he was a really good fella around the squad. But he was never going to be able to play the high intensity. He weren't quick enough, couldn't cover the ground. Whereas, Lalana could, do you know what I mean? Players like that could. So, I think he saw early doors what type of player he was looking for. But it, it takes a bit longer than two weeks, like... Yeah, it's just um, just when, I, when I'm talking about the difference, I could see um, it was literally they tried to swarm all over Spurs and the work rate for me, like he probably is going into that game thinking, right, I don't really know what I have because he's not planning on this job. So he's coming in, he has a week to look at them and he's thinking, what do I have? I'll put these out on the pitch and I'm going to just make sure effort, effort, effort and pressing and give everything you possibly can. I think he'd be happy going off that pitch. Does he take a nil-all draw at the start? He probably does. Does he take a one-nil defeat? He probably does, but he wants to see. He takes a one nil defeat in in the circumstance that them players gave everything for me, and I know I I can rely on them for for a certain amount of things. Now, as we go along in the piece, you'll see that certain players and disappearing, um, some quickly, some not so quickly. Um, Grizz, he 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 starts with spores. All right, he goes on, and I think he draws with Ruben Kazan. Um, he loses the Palace at home. Um, and then the one, the, the game then that comes is the far one away at Man City on the 24th of November 2015. And this is one where for the first 30 minutes you've seen Klopp's football starting to kick in and kick in at an unbelievable rate because they tore City apart for 43 minutes of that first half before Aguero gets one back if I remember right. But are you seeing then Grizz early on this is what he wants and all the people that spoke about it about his style um, it's coming to it's not coming to fruition I suppose but coming and it's having an impact a lot earlier than you would have you or me or, or, or the general fan base would as well yeah absolutely do you know you read out that team and you read out that subs bench and you know Carlo Ancelotti Carlo Ancelotti was right wasn't he he I mean he was right to want to fucking strip down that squad because that was one horrific squad and, I, you know, I actually think looking back now that we're reminiscing over his first sort of 
uh, year. Well, he came in at what, what he came in a couple of months into it, didn't he? Um, but now that we're reminiscing, it's so underrated the job that he'd done in that first season and how far he took us. Because you've got to remember, he took us to two finals with that squad that we've just mentioned. And, you know, we, we puked up at the subs bench. Um, that Man City game, that Man City game was, you know, last week we talked about all oh, this Chelsea game when we played Chelsea a couple of weeks ago. And I was salivating over how quick Saris had an impact at Chelsea. Well, it's very similar to how Klopp had an impact at Liverpool because, as you mentioned, it was only into sort of... I don't know exactly what game week it was that we played that City 4-1, but that's when we saw the vision that he's got for this football club, for this football team, the the famous Gegen pressing. I mean, City, till this very day, haven't recovered and haven't worked out how to play against us. It would have been, that, it would have been Grizz, the, I think about the 11th league game of the season. It would have been his fourth in charge. Fourth or fifth, something like that. Yeah. And, and you know... I remember watching that game and thinking, fucking hell, if this is the journey we're going on on with Klopp, then I'm all up for it. Look, it was breathtaking. That that was when it first we saw evidence of it really clicking. I mean, we talked about the Spurs game earlier, but even the Spurs game, I don't know if you guys remember, but we had enough clear-cut chances to win it. I think Phil Coutinho misses near enough for an open goal when it's laid across to him or something. and So that would have been an amazing start. But that Man City... That Man City game, and 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 I think was it was Pep into his second season at that time at City because Pep, Pep would have had a year, season with City, so he would have known his players far more than Klopp uh, knew Liverpool uh, the Liverpool players. But still, Klopp had such a major major effect on our players. And most, I know it's a cliche, but they really you could see the players busting a gut for this new manager, and that was a very positive sign of things to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that game for me, it showed how he wanted his team to press high. All this sort of stuff about pressing triggers and and Lallana was was at the forefront of it. Again, that player that people thought, no, he won't be able to keep pace with this. But he he's the trigger. He goes. He wins ball. You know, and they play around. See, they really do. Um, I think it's the third one where he does a lovely back heel, heel from Jean puts in. Uh, it might be Coutinho, he, he, he knocks in Firmino, but it was outstanding football. Um, Skirtle scores a beautiful volley as well to make it 4-1 um, early enough in the second half. Marty, I'm going to move around a little bit because, the, let's be honest about it, without the red tinted glasses on, there was a big media love-in with Klopp when he signs, um, f- when he signs on the dotted line for Liverpool. Uh, you know, he's, uh, that loss to Palace is kind of overlooked. You know, it's not his squad, d- different things like that. Um, they're going along in this, in Euro- in this Europa League campaign. Um, but the 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 Man City one, it's a it, it's a big win. But if, if we if we throw it on about another month, um, it's the thirteenth of December two thousand fifteen, and what happens there is we have West Brom at home, um, and you, you know the love in is continuing and continuing, and this is probably the first bit of, um, I don't know if it's if it's bad press he gets, but it's a little bit mocking is the word I use. They get a late goal, a late deflected goal to, to make a two two at home to West Brom, and Klopp brings. The, the the team and subs to the cop afterwards as if to, to salute them as you know kind of a bonding exercise I suppose when you seen this did you cringe a little bit did you think okay that's how he does things or was it was it an act of defiance what way did you find this because I, for me it was the first time I seen not people torn on Klopp but mock, him, mock his ideas a little bit 
Yeah, by, by all accounts, in, in the Bundesliga, it happens quite often, that kind of thing. They're very appreciative of their of their fans over there. Um, but, I mean, look, you've got, uh, as Liverpool fans, you know, you kind of sometimes have to forget what the media say or forget what rival <laughs> fans say. You know, we had to look at the bigger picture at the time. And, you know, let's not forget, like I said, he's still early in his tenure at Liverpool. Um, and, you know, the fan base at the time is still... Yeah, we're still hurting. Obviously, we've just had a you know a real couple of average seasons under Rogers after the title hunt. Um, you know, I remember when we um, I don't know if it was still this season when Klopp came in, but I think you know the home game against Carlisle was it in the cup where we went to penalties and it was just horrendous. And I think it was the, a week before or, or a couple of weeks before we just lost at home to Palace, was it? Um, yeah. And Klopp came out quite publicly in the press conference and said that you know he saw the fans leaving and that's what the eighty second 83rd minute and he you know he said he never felt quite so alone and then what he got from that were the fans stayed until the very end you know that Origi goal was deflected it was a shit game the fans were there till the night to the till full time and that was Klopp and the players saying look we've seen that reaction you know and we appreciate it and you're going to get the rival fans you know giving it oh look you know they're celebrating the draw against West Brom but you know fuck them you know this was that that moment for me was the moment when Jurgen Klopp, the players and the fans bonded. That was when you know Jurgen Klopp sent out a rally cry to the fans. The fans answered. They bonded. What did you say? They bonded, Grizz, is what he said. Bonded. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Klopp sent out a rally cry, a rallying cry in the press conference, and the fans answered, and that was his way. You know, you remember he's not English, he's he's German. They have their way of doing things, and that is his way of saying, you know, I appreciate it. We know you're there, and and that was a you know I think that was a big part in creating the bond, Grizz, between the fans and Klopp and the team. Um, so yeah, you know bollocks to what everyone else says. Yeah, bollocks to what anyone else says. Yeah, you, you have the right attitude. Um, Gab, do you know? Can I just bind it? Of course you can. You do anyway. Go on. Uh, do you know? Do you know what it was? If it if it continued doing that, then we could have said it's cringe, and we'd. You know, we don't really appeal to that. It doesn't really appeal to us, sorry. But the fact that he learned from it very quickly, he saw he saw the reaction from media and etc. Right? He he done it for a purpose. It wasn't going ever going to be a regular thing like he had it at Dortmund. Do you remember he 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 specifically said, "This is Liverpool. That was Dortmund. It's totally different." Right? But you've got to remember there are some things ingrained in him in terms of how he bonds players and teams and crowds and unites them. And this was just one incident or one sort of act that he'd done with the team and the players all together. I don't think we did it again. I don't recall, unless it was like an amazing victory, like the Dortmund one, where sort of it was a special, special occasion. But I don't think we'd done it. We haven't made it, we didn't make it a regular thing. And that was another sign of Klopp always looking to learn and adjust to sort of this new culture and this new league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like Marty said, it was just his way of doing things. And I, even to this day, I think about it and think it probably wasn't. When I looked right, it was probably not for me at the time. But now I look back at it and think he can do what the fuck he wants, to be perfectly honest with you. He can start throwing players into the fucking cup for all I care. Um, but, you know, the, the season was going on. The... the the results weren't too bad. Some some good, some bad. But it was it was an indifferent season as it went. But the, it, people were waiting for this breakout manic game involving Liverpool, where it absolutely go off the rails and and Klopp would look like he's enjoying every single minute of it. That came on the twenty third of January, and when we went to Norwich, um, 
<laughs> an absolutely ridiculous game of football to be perfectly honest with you Ian um, we win that game 5-4 if I if, if my abacus is working properly um, Lalana scores in the last minute uh, January signing Stephen Calker is, is the man causing all sorts of um, trouble in the box but I remember going for all in the last minute and going, oh, for fuck's sake. And then Lalana just pops up and bangs her in. You're thinking, oh, yeah, I'll have loads of this every single week. Were you the same? No, he doesn't want to talk to me. All right, that's okay. Well, I'm off. Was that a question? No, no, it wasn't a question. I was just telling you something. I was telling you about my big shop I done on Friday. Um, don't worry about it. Um, good name. You went? You went? Oh, I went. I was gone to do the big shop. I, I forgot something on Friday, so I went off to get it. I'm back now. Did you get Jaffa cakes? Uh, what? Did you get Jaffa cakes? No, I don't eat them. Don't eat them. Nah, the shit. Yeah, he told you what he got today. Did we, did we ever... Um, did, did we ever... Uh, we, did, we did discuss our, our favourite biscuit before, didn't we? We must do that again, because I think things have changed. It's moved on since we started this pod. Biscuits have changed in the last 12 months or so. Ian, Ian, my question was, that, that, that Norwich game is 5-4. We, we, we concede in the last minute. Then we go and score in the last minute. And it's, it's Bedlam. Klopp's glasses are getting fucking all over the place. There's a pile on on the sideline. Were, were you like me? Were you thinking, yeah, I'll have, I'll have this every week. 5-4 every week will do me. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? It's like clock ball, isn't it? it and to be honest with you, I don't think I could handle that every week. Uh, do you know I mean? I'd look even older than I do now if that was the case every week or, or I'd have like some sort of seizure or whatever. But I think the, the best part of that game, because we were woeful at the back, but we were brilliant going forward. And that was kind of our, our, our style on the clock for the first, at least the first 18 months. But it was just the reaction of everyone when Lallana scored, top off, fans going mental. Clock going. We've never had a manager like that. Do you know what I mean? Go, we we had years of Rafa who wouldn't smile. And then Gerard Ullier, who you know what I mean wasn't much more animated than than Rafa. Brendan Rodgers didn't really get involved. Kenny Dalglish wasn't a big ce- celebrator really. So this was the first time we'd ever had a, like a tracksuit manager in someone who was like fucking mental. Do you know what I mean? And, and would jump in the crowd and and would egg everyone on. And when Lallana scored. And he ran straight over to to the to the boss, the gaffer, whatever. I think sometimes you see that happen, and I think it's for show. I mean, but this wasn't. This was. They all clearly loved the, the new boss. Do you know what I mean? They all want to impress him, but they clearly loved him. And he, it, his respect for them was reciprocated by him going mental and smashing his glasses, and it's ridiculous. And some people outside of Liverpool tried to say, "Oh, he looks like an idiot doing that," but there's not a single fan who doesn't want their manager to show that sort of passion when they score a last-minute winner. There're not a single fan who doesn't. And, and we, we had them, do you know what I mean? The, the style of football, it, it was coming along. We, it, at the beginning, he looked quite naive defensively, but it, he's proven since then that that wasn't the case at all. It was a work in progress. But it was more of the, the highs and lows early on were, were a, bit more, a bit more obvious, do you know what I mean? But that, that was tremendous. Like, that was tremendous. But on the other side... It was almost the exact opposite when when we lost the way to Bournemouth. Do you know what I mean? It was up and down all the time. It was it wasn't always it wasn't always an easy watch. Like no, it wasn't always an easy watch. And uh, I suppose it's good to look back at it now and the progression from October two thousand and fifteen to now and the different styles, the different players he's used. Um, 
the different mentalities he's had going into games, the different ways he's tried to blitz people at times and other times nullify a team, nullify them. And when we nullify them, then we'll hurt them. And it's progressed as we've gone along. Um, I'm just, I just want to touch on one more thing for this season because I will get, I know, I know we were in two, um, two finals in this season, but and I want to get the finals in general near the end. But, but just, um, just, one one thing I want to touch on, and it's it's the way it's the way for cup run or Europa League run or whatever they call it now, um, and you know how lucky I suppose Grace, how lucky is he? Not so much lucky, but he draws he draws United, um, you know, and and we do that all right, we're, we're okay there. But it's the Dortmund game. How lucky is he? I suppose in his fourth season to have a game like that where we're one all going into the into the second leg. We go two 0 down early. We go three one down. And we managed to come back and turn this around. How look? How good is it for a manager, Grizz, in his first couple of months to have that sort of game where Anfield nearly falls over with the emotion that's going on? It's it's. I've, I still watch videos to this day of it, um, where it's just pure raw emotion and and belief in a team. And and so early in his his managerial career at Liverpool, a belief in the manager that anything is possible. Um, that game is is it really big to him even yeah, to this I, day? That, that. Gab, do you know what it is? That game sort of um, kind of proved the method to his madness, to be correct. All that um, fist pumping during the early part of the season, the celebrations, what Ian said uh, at Norwich, they were sort of just, you, they were genuine. And, and all that sort of rallying cries that he'd done and waving to the crowd and everything, that Dortmund game was kind of the, the cherry on the cake for everything he had tried to work towards in that first season in terms of getting everyone together. And people can say what they want, but you don't come back from sort of games like that and the performance in the United game and, and the rest of the comebacks he made without having the players, as we've discussed before, really, really working a bollocks off for you and believing. Do you remember that first season coming to the year? That was when he started the uh, the doubters to believers didn't he? I need, we need to start, you know, be, turning doubters from believers. Yeah, he says uh, he says that he says that in one of his first interviews, and and I th- I think it actually comes back up near the end of the season. You're right. And it's amazing because, as Ian says, what 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 Klopp what Klopp was to us was sort of us fans, but actually managing the club, if you know what I mean. He was representing the fans' passion. What we sort of. Uh, the, the reactions we have on the terraces, he was actually playing that out on the sidelines in, in the coach's box. And everyone thought he's just a passionate fan who just full of fist pumps. But then as, you know, as we found out later, well, in the, in the, in the last sort of 12 months, well, there's, there was always method to his madness and it was progression. And we were seeing it sort of every month, the progression the team was making. And, you know, that Dortmund game was just sort of, for me, it was the finale and it was was sort of the cherry on this cake in terms of the plan came to fruition. All the crowd was together, stayed till the end. Because you've got to remember, I think we were at one stage three goals behind. Were we three goals behind on aggregate or something at one stage? And the crowd never left, kept singing. And, 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 you know, it was, it was, he was proved right in the end, wasn't he? In terms of, you know, we need to be together. Yeah, I think I think like you'll see Klopp has been at Anfield in a pre-season friendly with Dortmund and he spoke when he when he signs about you know Anfield's special stadium, special club, you know special atmospheres, Anfield under the lights, all this sort of stuff. But but I think being the manager of Liverpool Football Club on a night like that is completely different to being 
you know, um, not being the Liverpool manager and seeing it from the outside, I think being involved with that much emotion against his former club as well, you have to remember, it, it was something I think was special for him. And I think I think it opened his eyes a little bit as well, as much as it opened their eyes to him. I think I think it opened, um, I think it opened, you know, his eyes to us as well. You know, it's just... It, it just it was a perfect thing to happen to all come together on a night like that. Um just to close off that season, um we finish eighth because I think we gambled on the Europa League and it doesn't really happen. We finish eighth. We actually finish behind Southampton and West Ham, which is fucking madness to think of nowadays. Um well, I'm gonna go go into two thousand sixteen, seventeen season and, and Marty, I'm gonna come to you first. Um there's a lot of changes. Um he brings in Manny, he brings in Carius, Matip, Clavin, Manninger. And Wijnaldum. Um, the list of players that live, uh, you know, you have Enrique, Torre, Rossiter, Texera, Sinclair, Yesel, Canos, Skertel, Oyeb, Allen, Smith, Benteke, Alberto, Balotelli, Alori. Um, he, he does a clear out. Um, he, he's, taken this, he's taken this seven months of football to, to really look at his squad and decide, right, this is who we don't want. And, and, he, and he does it. But we start the season, Marty, quite well. We've, we, we've won loss in the opening 13, and, and the standout performances, I suppose, are, are Hull at home 5-1, Warford at home is 6-1. And at that stage of the season, I think it's early November, it's probably the first week of November, Marty, and people are talking us up as these are playing electrifying football. Um, you know, we're being talked as title challengers, and, and we're blowing teams away. When we get to that stage, Marty, where we're putting teams away like this, are you, are you actually thinking, could he do this? Could he do this in his first full season? Um, at the time, I, I, yeah, I did get caught up in the the clock heavy metal football hype. Um, you know, with hindsight, hindsight was a wonderful thing. You know, I think squad wise, we were still short. Um, you think that was the year that obviously Chelsea won it in their squads? Ridiculous. I think that was the first season, wasn't it, that that we saw Pep, and you know, it was just our defense wasn't. You know, at the back, we weren't strong enough. Um, obviously, we had. Um, the Carrius Mignolet swap mess about with situation. So, um, you know, at the time I probably did think, hold on a minute, you know, yeah, we look good, but in hindsight, no, we we didn't quite have the squad. Um, I think we relied heavily on Mane that season, um, which is baffling, really, considering we didn't have him the season before. Um, for him to come in and actually be the player we rely on, when you think, you know, we had. Coutinho, Firmino, um, and Mane came in first season was the main man, really, wasn't he? Um, and I think Marty, that kind would, of would, lack of would, squad depth would that would that have been down to his pace? Because a lot of people the previous season had spoken about Liverpool's lack of direct penetrating pace, and he and he looked uh, he looked to fix that fairly fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah, pace was definitely a factor. Um, I think obviously the, you know Klopp, the big part of Klopp way is transition from defence to attack, and for that you need pace. Um, and yeah, Mane obviously was the kind of he seems like the first cog um, for, for Liverpool for our attacking unit for that. So yeah, absolutely the pace um, and much more. He's a quality, quality operator, isn't he, Mane? You know, he, he, when he's on song, um, you know, he's got pace. He can finish. He can beat a man. You know, he's brilliant. But um, yeah, you know, in hindsight, we were a little bit short. But the, the, the objective was it was always top four. You know, it was always get that top four, and you know, anything else would have been a bonus. Um, so yeah, you know, to, to sum it up, no, I, I don't think we we were ever really sort of serious title contenders due to just the squad in, in, in quite a leaky back four. Yeah, I I got caught up. I'm being honest with you. Um, I if I remember rightly, I was at a wedding, um, suffering from the day before watching Liverpool against Watford, and even United fans around me were going, "This is this is unreal to watch," and that's genuine. I the United fan and an Arsenal fan sitting with me, and they both said. 
this is mind blowing what they're doing. Um, the the speed, the, the the work rate, the speed, the power, everything about it, so clinical. They they were talking about pull up as well. So that was when you have someone people like that talking them up. You you've every right to do it as a Liverpool fan, I suppose. Uh, Ian, you mentioned earlier um, a game. I think it was yourself that mentioned the game earlier about Bournemouth, um, and this is on the fourth of December, and we lose the game four three. It probably goes down as when Carrius and the doubts about Carrius come around. You know, I think we're I think we're one nil and three one up in this, and we end up losing the four three. Um, did this show in a little bit of naivety that Klopp may still have about the Premier League and, and how it works or was it just we just weren't good enough on the day and, and it's one of those did you read anything more into it than just one of those days no I do think it was a bit naive I think he could have closed up shop at 3-1 uh, I remember it because I was going to town that day with my mate and I left the house and it was 3-1 and we got a taxi and when we got into town we'd lost and I thought uh, I I thought like I'd, I'd gone through some sort of shitty twilight zone or something. I couldn't believe it. But yeah, it was a bit naive. I, the players at the time, it was still very mentally weak as well. So it, as soon as like one setback can be put... Now, if we, may, if we have a, like Van Dyke the other day, he makes an error, it's a penalty. You don't think in the next five minutes he's going to do it again. You know they're going to like get, get the shit together and go, right, we've made a mistake. We're not doing it again. Back in back in those days, we we were riddled with it, like mistake after mistake after. If, if we weren't if we weren't scoring, we always looked fragile mentally as well. And Bournemouth were not a good side. Do you know what I mean they were okay, but they were nothing special? And I just think it was a bit naive from Klopp. I think he trusted his players a bit too much at times. I still think he I still think he can do that. Uh, but it's not, it's never just one of those days, mate. When you three one up away to a side. A lower mid-table side. It should never be one of those days. Do you know what I mean? You've caused it yourself because they can blow us away. Carrius just went a bit shit, didn't he? I think he gave us like a prelude to what he was about, and uh, he was at fault for two of the goal. He was definitely at fault for the last goal when he, pa- he palmed his stick back out. Uh, so I just think it was a, a combination, mate. A bit, a bit of naivety from Klopp, the mental fragility that we had as a squad anyway, which I hope by the looks of things now seems to have gone. And as being, if anything, being a bit arrogant, just thinking this game's won. It happens, you know, big sides think they've already won. 3-1 up at a side like Bournemouth, not long to go. You probably do think you've won. Maybe maybe drop down a gear. And when you decide to start scoring, it's hard to, to, to regain the initiative again. So I just think it was a combination of a lot of things. Like, I think Klopp learned a lot about some of his players that day, though. Yeah, I think he learned a lot about his players, but I also think he learned a lot about the league. Um, you know... He's probably looking in Germany, going three one up with whatever amount of minutes left. We'll see this out. I think the Premier League kind of bit him on the backside that day because no team ever gives up. And if if no matter what the team is, if they get ahead of steam against you, and your players look anyway fragile, you, you'd be taking advantage of. And I, and like you said, he learns something about certain players that day. I I agree with you. Um, I'm just we've about twenty minutes left, so I'm going to move move it along. Grizz, I'm going to give you the last bit on the 2016 season, right? Um, the last ten games of the season, after going through a period where we did, we had a very rocky period, the squad, I suppose, and its lack of depth started to show tiredness. We are we are we weren't on it. We we really weren't. But in the last ten games, we win six, we draw three, and the one defeat is at home to Palace again. Um, but there's a different style. We start dogging games out. We start. 
we start being a bit more pragmatic and, and you know, not being as gung-ho. That impressed me in those last 10 games where we were able to change style, get results and, and Klopp to, I suppose, uh, you know, he... He adapts and he adapts well with the squad that he has, even though it's not completely what he wants. He adapts really, really well. We finish in fourth place, 76 points, one clear of Arsenal. It goes down to the last day. But Grizz, was that another stage in, in Klopp's development as Liverpool manager where he has to change his style and, and, and do something slightly different in order to you know get to the end game and get it done? Sorry, Gav, Steve, I was sending me some shitty gifts. Okay, well, um, you, don't, you, anyway, you, you stop. If you read gifts again, I'll, I'll, I'll just have to get rid of you. No, I blocked him. Okay, you know, blocked him. Yeah, that's fucking the perfect uh, thing to do. Go on. That that, um, that patch, Gav, uh, that last ten games, uh, really impressed me for the fact that everyone thought Klopp was this heavy metal gung ho type manager, only knows one way to play. And, you know, he had to play like that to salvage our season and rescue our season because, as Ian says. There is, look, we can't always have these sort of uh, rose-tinted glasses and say everything's been brilliant. And that patch from November to about February, where he refused to rotate, do you remember there was a lot of uh, controversy, or call it what you want, but sort of a, lot of, a lot of fans asking for rotation, but he stuck, and as, as, as Ian says, he was very loyal to the players, and that nearly cost him our top four place that season and he salvaged it and rescued it. And I think that was a brilliant sign of a great manager for me that he saw where it was going wrong and he stopped the abandoned that heavy metal football. And for those, as you mentioned, the last 10 games, he totally revamped our style and became more pragmatic. There was subtle changes in formation, some even sort of, some more blatant than subtle even. I think at times we even played with a back five. Or, or totally revamped our midfield and made it made us far more difficult to beat. So, as as Marty said earlier, our target for that season was mainly in the summer to flush out all the turds, and he did. I remember us getting really good money that summer, right? Talking about turds, yeah, you guys. Anyway, but um, <laughs> pardon the pun, but but um, he. Swear to God. Absolute madman. Go yeah. on. Yeah, well, I've lost trail of thought. Of course you have, because you're going for the shit. Um, our, our, target, our target that season was to get top four. And he he managed to get that top four, you know, by totally sort of revamping his style and even his methodology. And I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant, uh, positive sign of things to come in that, that, that end of what's he, what year would that have been? 16, 17? Yeah, correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, Right, uh, I have to compose myself because uh, Grizz's um, toilet, toilet habits now are, uh, are up for discussion. Um, right, I want to move it on again, 2017-18. Um, Marty, I'm going to come to you first. He signed Salah, he signed Solanke, Robertson, Chamberlain. Um, VVD, early June, goes. he brings them to Blackpool, they, they go on the rides, they, they have popcorn and all sorts of stuff and it just doesn't happen. That's a drama that runs right up until the 31st of August. Uh, most notably, Lucas leaves the club. You have the Coutinho saga that kicks off probably a week before the season starts. So it's not the most, it's not the most, you know, uh, I suppose perfect smooth running pre-season you'd be looking for. There's, um, there's an indifferent start to the season, I suppose. But the big one that comes, Marty, is on the 22nd of October and it's Spurs at Wembley. Um, it's the 4-1 game. Um, 
for me, this is the biggest watershed in Jurgen Klopp's career so far as Liverpool manager. Forget European nights, forget finals, forget you know signings, anything else. This for me is the biggest watershed moment in in Klopp's tenure as Liverpool manager. Would you agree? Because that day for me, it was make or break for a hell of a lot of players after that. Yeah, um, I think in that little period we just we just we had either just or we were about to lose the city as well. Um, you know, quite heavily at the eight he had. Um, this, you know, the beginning of last season was just dominated by the defence, wasn't it? Obviously, the the Van Dijk saga happened. We didn't get him. Um, everyone was kind of screaming at you know why are we not getting another centre back? Why are we not getting another centre back? Yeah, it's obviously been a problem area for a few years up to that point. Um, you know, we obviously we really wanted Van Dijk. He was a, we knew then he was a class operator. Obviously, if we knew what we knew now, it'd be even the, what the meltdown last summer would have been even worse. Um, but it just, I think it was a it was his worst defeat. But I think it was stuff that we as fans in Klopp already knew. You know, Dejan Lovren, Mignolet. You know, I was it. Um, it was next to to Lovren that day. You know, Matip. They just, they were just, they're just not good enough as a unit. You know, as a unit, you know, we had this argument a couple of weeks ago with the, the cup game. You know, as a unit, Mignolet or Carrius, Matip, Lovren, Moreno, they're just not good enough, and we knew that at the time. Um, and I think this kind of highlighted to Klopp. I think this is the first time we saw Klopp make a substitution before half time with Dejan Lovren, and we, I, I certainly thought, all right, fucking hell, he's, he's done. That's it. He is done. He's had it with Lovren. Yeah, he was. Um, he was. He was having a mental breakdown on the pitch. Yeah, Harry Kane he shot all over him, didn't he? Harry Kane absolutely fucking slaughtered him all over the place, and, and and he didn't even have to play well. This is the worst thing. If Harry Kane had an absolute blinder, you would just say, you know, he got the better of him. But he didn't do it. You know, he was very rash. You know, he just that one on the halfway line where he tries to win the ball and it goes over him. You just think. Here we go again. You know that was exactly what we thought. Electric going forward, but at the back, here we go again. Um, and I think that kind of dawned on Klopp. I mean, I don't know what his plans were with Van Dijk if he was going to go back in January anyway. But I think that was the moment where he said, "Look, enough's enough. We have to change this." And then obviously January comes round, and then it all changes with with Big Virgil. So, but yeah, it was a, it was an awful day for us. Awful day. It was an awful day, but it, it now it probably feels like something that had to happen. It feels like yeah. it needed to happen for any of these, not doubts or any of these people, you know, oh, is he good enough? Is he not good enough? And look, in fairness, Van Dijk comes in and, and Lovren plays beside him and is, for me is outstanding for, for six months of last last season. Um, but just just moving on through this season, and I, Ian, I'm going to come to you next, but after the after the um, Spurs game, we got 18 games unbeaten. Um, and that includes a, a win that, uh, home to City four three in the league that puts their unbeaten run to an end. We actually get beaten away um, on the twenty second of January by Swansea in a one nil defeat, which was torrid to fucking say the least. Um, we go out of the cup to West Brom. Coutinho leaves. Van Dijk comes in. Um, a lot happens. A lot happens. But this European run is is just moving nicely, moving nicely. Ian, um, I'm not going to go into a game by game or you know look at certain players or certain games or certain outcomes. Um, but as you look at the Europa League, I suppose two years previous, and you look at this this one, um, just this year, how much enjoyment does this bring to you, Ian? Watching the teams that that 
they're dispatching, to be perfectly honest with you, through, through um, Porto, City, Roma, and onto the final, as opposed to Real Madrid. But how much enjoyment did you get out of this? How much did you think, no, Liverpool are the, are the real deal now? Well, I mean, you know what? This is, I've said it in the past, and this is what I mean by it. Trophies, there's more to football than trophies and medals, and it's memories as well. And you can remember how your team were playing, and we were blowing sides away. And I remember... We went to Portugal's ground and they hadn't lost their home in over a year and we fucking annihilated them at home. And then everyone was saying, oh, you you got City in the quarterfinals, you should have done. And then we just took them to pieces at home and we were just, the crowd, we, we had we had new songs because you do have new songs when your teams are when your teams flying, don't you? They, they go hand in hand. And it's, I, I mean, it took me, after, after the final, it took me about, two months to, to genuinely start talking about football again. I was distraught because I thought we were going to win it. I, th- I think we were the best team in the competition, so I thought we were going to win it. Obviously, football is not that, not that simple, but mate, in 20 years' time, 30 years' time, we'll talk about those games when we were just smashing teams to pieces and our, our like, you know what I mean? Like, fucking, everyone was terrified of our back three and, oh, sorry, our, our front three and, you, those memories don't go, do you know what I mean? And if you talk to people from, like, the previous generation, they talk about games against, like, St. Etienne and, and games like that, and it's... it's You didn't win a trophy against St. Etienne, and we didn't win a trophy again when we took City to pieces, but you'll remember that game more... I remember that game more than when we beat Arsenal in the FA Cup final, or you know, any of, like, Ulier's, like, cup wins that I barely remember, do you know what I mean? It's just... The, the best thing I can say about Klopp and Liverpool at the moment is we're just brilliant. It's to watch, do you know what I mean? When it, when it works, it works brilliantly. But it's just so exciting. You look at the fixture list and you think, right, who have we got next? Sam, there's no trepidation. You can't wait to play them. You don't fear anyone. You're like, right, when it's going to click this weekend, we're going to smash them. And, I, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is the best Liverpool side I've seen in 25 years. Seriously, since we last won the league, this is the best Liverpool side we've had. I'd agree with we you. We now just need to go on against what I've just said. We now need to get a couple of trophies so that the entertainment matches up with the achievement. Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just going, just going on to the end of this season, um, and I'm going to get to a couple of bits. So if you, if you're worried I'm missing bits out, I'm not. I'm coming back to certain things. I'm just leaving until the end. Um, fourth place again, uh, seventy-five points. Um, and it's it's it goes down to the last day. Chelsea, I think, get beaten away at Newcastle, and we win. We win handy against Brighton. But again, Champions League qualification is done. Um, for me, there's progression in the way we're playing, the way we're able to adjust to, to different styles, teams, tactics, all that sort of stuff. There is a progression. Um, and coming into this season, I, I suppose we'll probably do. You know, at, around Christmas, our, our lads are, are probably one of our podcasts. We'll do like a, I suppose, a half term report on, on this season, but. You look at the progression into this season, and I think it's it's shown again, um, the way we're doing things. But lads, there's ten minutes left, so there's a couple of topics we want to just touch on before we leave, right? Um, finals is the fourth one. Um, I want to mention City, um, in the League Cup. I want to mention, uh, obviously Madrid in the European Cup, and you have Sevilla in the Europa League final 2016. Uh, there's a narrative going around that Klopp is now good in finals. Um, you know he's he, he bottles it in finals, it but. For me, if you look at them finals, um, our own downfall in all three, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, tactically, 
most time it's individual errors. But Grace, for you, are you worried about this finals thing? Um, do you think no? We'll just we, we'll get to a final and we'll do it. Um, and it, that narrative will go away. Or is there something that you're genuinely worried about with Klopp? When he does he lose some of his of, of his beliefs when he gets into finals? Is 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 it something that kind of bothers you a little bit? No. Okay. Just now. Okay. Well, no, because I tell you, if you're looking at if you look at it from his Dortmund time, right there, in, invariably he was in finals against far better opposition, far bigger clubs with far bigger budgets. So he was always your Madrids or your Bayern Munichs of this world, right? So he comes to Liverpool. I tell you, the only disappoint it was is gutting losing to Madrid, right? But the only one that we could level. Criticism, naivety, tactical naivety, call it what yeah. you want, would be the severe one, right? Yeah. Because I because I genuinely thought we were on a par with them and we were on a right high as well going into that. We just obliterated United, Dortmund, you know, etc. So that was the only one that you could say he froze or he didn't make the necessary changes at the time. So yeah, you could criticize him. But the others, look, the final against Man City. Goes to penalties. It's a lottery, right? We and at, at that time, I'm sure City were the champions. You know, Pep had them playing his his his, his brilliant brand of football. Madrid, Madrid, Madrid. They were going for their what third one in a row. You know, one of the greatest club sides ever. So you gotta, you know, you always Gav, you always know we gotta have context. Everything has to have context. And, you know, you've got to look at Klopp's finals in isolation as opposed to sort of a collective problem or a mental issue or, a, you know, is he mentally scarred by finals or does he freeze? Not at all. And I think, as Ian says, it, it, it's you always look at memories and, 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 and sort of you always look at trajectories and we're on an upwards and we're still on upwards. And that's the only thing you can ask for from your manager, from your club, from your owners always see that improvement and we've just discussed three years and from that first team and subs bench look where we are now as Ian says we're bouncing into games checking the dates when we're playing next who we're playing next all in the whatsapp groups we're gonna fucking smash them making you know we're we're talking about everything's positive and everything's upwards so look in terms of final wins one it's one of those ones you know when he wins that first one and that's why I was sort of so adamant we we go for the little words the Whatever fucking cup is called the, the League Cup. cup. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yes, mil- the Mill Cup. Yeah. Now, the Roman Balls. I've got a catalogue over there. I'm thinking about that. So we got to we got to win um we got to win a trophy to sort of you know justify the entertainment so it leads to success because at the end of the day the owners you've got to look at it from the owners' point of view the owners do want success and so do the fans. I mean the fans love the ride, but we, you know just that just that one trophy would be absolutely amazing. Okay, um, right. I've I've uh, four topics left. Right, um, I'm going to do them quick for. They are the best win you've seen from under Klopp. Uh, the worst loss, the best signing, the worst signing. Um, I'll go around the table and I'll include myself in it where we go. So I'll give you to give you a chance to um to have a little think. We'll go with the best win. Um, I'll give you the best win in my opinion is City in the European Cup three 0 We we bashed them first half and then we frustrate the life out of them second half. We're a brilliant defensive display, um, showing all sides of our game. Um, Ian, best win for you? Dortmund in the second leg. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a fair. Been to quite been to quite a lot of games. I've never been to an app. That's the best atmosphere I've ever been to. Their, their fans like added to it as well, but just incredible. Okay, uh, Marty, best win for you. Probably uh, um, City at home, Champions League season just gone. I think it was perfect display. Three goals, kept out the most potent attack. It was just brilliant. Yeah, you so say you're with me, Grizz. Um, best win for you. Yeah, I've got to be with you, but I can't let Ian down as well. So in terms of entertainment, he's right. In terms of atmosphere, passion, the Dortmund game, but in terms of tactical performance, everything was just that City game at home was just the perfect home first leg performance. Okay. Um, worst loss. Um, I'm not going to go first on this because I can't think of one. So Ian, I'll come to you. The worst loss you can think of. I should really say Spurs, but I'm going to have to say Madrid because it ruined me. It ruined me, like, but not 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 the worst loss because we we were shocking, just because of how it affected me. Like, okay, Marty, your worst loss. Uh, again, like, you know, I want to say Spurs, but I'd probably go Seville in the Europa League final. I just I just don't think we should have lost that game. I just don't. Okay, Grizz, for you, the worst loss. Because I'm a, I'm because I'm a super fan. I'm going to go for the best worst loss, mm. if you know what I mean. So I'm going to go for the Spurs one because that was the, I think that was a turning point in Klopp's in Klopp's uh, managerial uh, career of Liverpool Football Club. So I'll go for the Spurs loss. Yeah, they're all good shouts. I'm going to actually take the five nil away to see, um, because what killed me about that was is that we were the better side. We genuinely were. Um, I'll still to this day argue with anyone that says it's sending off for me it's not um, and I think it, it knocks us and it gives City a, a monumental boost um, it really does you see them winning games last minute and stuff off the back of it and you know they, they, it really gave them a push so that for me um, best signing um, Marty I'll come to you first the best signing during Klopp's tenure what would it be uh, I, th- I think it's Virgil van Dijk um, but I would make a, a really Strong case for Mane, um, purely for the fact that he came in when we didn't have Champions League football. We weren't a massively attractive proposition apart from Klopp. And he, for me, was probably the most important cog in getting us to where we are now. Um, you know, he came in when we were all right um, and, and he was just absolutely sparkling. So I would make a really big case for, for Mane or Van Dyke, probably Van Dyke just, but. Okay, I'm going to take Van Dyke as your final answer. Uh, Ian? Best signing? Van Dyke. Just because, well, for a lot of reasons, but the main one is how much he's improved everyone around him. And I think Mane, Salah, Firmino, whatever, they can all have four games and, and it, you know what I mean, the team seems to suffer. But if Van Dyke has a poor game, it, everyone around him has improved because he's there. He doesn't see, in other words, he doesn't seem to have a poor game. His presence improves everyone around him. So, no one even talks about 75 million. No one. And that's how good a signing he is. Yeah. Grace, for you, the best sign? Yeah, I done a poll, didn't I? So I left out VVD out of the options because for me, it's clearly VVD. It's it's, it's easy. Uh, but I have two and a half, over two and a half thousand votes. People, 40% went with Salah. Mo Salah as, as, as his best signing. But and I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to put in a word for Mane as well, I think. And also... Um, is this Roberts. where you name the squad? Is this the bit yeah. where you name the squad? <laughs> yeah. They do it every context. fucking week. Give it context. Now I go with I go. <laughs> I, I go with uh, apart from VVD. I go with I go with Salah. 
All right, okay. Uh, for me, it's Mane. Um, Van Dijk is a, is, is a good show. It's a great show. But for me, it's Mane because, like I said earlier, he he changes the way we play. He brings that direct, fast pace. He he, he changes the whole concept of what Liverpool fo- Liverpool's team is and what way we do things. And off the back of his signing, we go and we add the likes of Salah. And don't get me wrong, Van Dijk was a, an integral signing. But for me, just the change in the way we played and, and the the threat he brought, I, I just edge at Mane over Van Dijk. Um, but look, when we're, when we're naming names like Van Dijk, Salah, Mane, Robertson, when you're naming all these players, it, it's good to see. It, it's a good thing when you can't easily pick one. Um, last one, lads. We done a poll on this yesterday, which was the worst signing. And we got a bit of grief because we put Matip in there. And um, that was just after a discussion between a group of us. And, and Matip came up a couple of times because people, just a couple of them don't rate him. Um, but for you, what's the worst signing that he's made, Chris? For me, the worst signing he's made, uh, Carrius. Okay. Yeah, there's not much more to say. Just, on yeah, that. yeah. Well, no, no context. Here. I need to give context there. Carrius said he's an awful. Start. It's proven so. I have, to, I have to check your contract. You don't have to fucking go on. Like, uh, you know, you, you can just say Carrius and leave it at that. It's not I in your contract that you have to do. You started this. asking me more questions. Nanti, you didn't carry on. I just gave you one word answer. <laughs> <laughs> he needs he needs a shit that bad. Uh, like just it's forcing its way out of his mouth. Well, I tell you something. <laughs> the, the only thing I would say is, I, if the, the, does anyone want to stay on another half hour just for the crack and see what happens, Grizz? Uh, we could do it Steve, Steve was not letting me hear but two thumbs up three thumbs I'm up I'm losing you guys I'm losing you there's no reception I'm losing you Can't guys yeah. are you in a tunnel uh, come here um, no the war sign Grizz has gone with Carrius. Um I, I don't think there's any other answer really I genuinely don't uh, I don't like Matip but I don't think there's any other answer than Carrius. but look I'll leave it up to the two lads Ian is war sign there is no one answer Carrius. I hate him he ruined me life Oh yeah, he did. He ruined your life. I remember that. I remember that. No, there was two months where Ian's life was ruined. Um, he yeah. couldn't even look at blonde people for about two months. It was mad. Uh, and my daughter's blonde. It was very awkward. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It, was, it got a bit. It got a bit ropey there mid June. Um, come here, Marty. Are you gonna? Are you gonna give us any any advance on uh, on Carius? Um, yeah, I think I have to go with that. But one quick point I just want to make off the back of it. Um, it's is just how. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I'm channeling my inner Grizz tonight. I just want to see you shit yourself live. Um, <laughs> one thing I want to add, it's testament to Klopp, is that I think he's the best manager in the world at buying players for his system. I, I don't think there's anyone better than Klopp, apart from when he buys Carriers, then he's shambles, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I always I always wonder about Carriers if he didn't get that hand injury in the summer of 2016 and, and ends up out. But look... Um, where to now for Liverpool? Look, we're doing well in the league. Champions League is okay. The League Cup, don't worry about it. The FA Cup will come up and, and players will get a game. Um, we're right in the mix. The international break is, we're in the middle of it, but we're back next week away to Huddersfield, I think, if I remember right. Saturday evening, I think yeah. it might be. Um, but look, that's been a nice chat about Jurgen Klopp uh, the first three years. Um, hopefully there's a good few more to come with trophies and everything else to go along with it. Um I've been your host, Gav. I thank Marty. Thanks to Ian. Thanks to Grizz. Thanks to Laboon for our intro music. Thanks to Steve for producing. It's been good. Talk to you next Sunday. Over. People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. 
like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69 or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. 